Welcome to a week four edition of Rams All Access. Marco Farr and JB Long. The Rams are undefeated at three and zero. And here's the great thing about a short week: it's a shorter wait for one of the most anticipated matchups in the entire NFL schedule. Maybe the Vikings haven't done their job to this point, but nonetheless, uh, this was looked at as a potential NFC Championship game preview. I, you know, and I, I think I, I would subscribe to that. I believe in that. Both teams are very good. Uh, I like um, especially Minnesota's defense. I think this is definitely the best defense the Rams have seen this season and probably last season. I mean, they, they've been that good. So it's a titanic matchup. I'm glad it's it, 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 we're closer to it, but I wish it was on Sunday. I wish you didn't have to worry about a Thursday night game for a game this big. Marcus Peters might have a better chance of yeah. playing if it was on a weekend as opposed to Thursday. But that's the reality yeah. that the Rams are dealing with. And truth be told, almost every team across the NFL is dealing with it. Uh, we'll talk about some of those injuries, what it might mean against a really talented uh, receiving core for the Vikings. And Minnesota is the only team to hold the Rams to single digits in the McVay era. So is there a bit of vengeance to be had as they come to the Coliseum? Uh, this Thursday night. We'll also have a conversation with Roger Saffold, and we'll have four down territory to get uh, the opponent's take on what's going on in Minneapolis after an embarrassing home loss to the Buffalo Bills. But, DeMarco, let's start with reflections on week three. What were your takeaways from uh, another 30-plus point performance and a victory over the Chargers? I'm still trying to figure out where the golf hate is coming from and why it's out there because um, you... I'll you tell you where. Go ahead. Please tell me. I'm dying to know. Number one overall selection. Yeah. Over Carson Wentz. 0-7 start to his career. Okay, fair enough. That's it. Fair enough. Um, but just, I mean, the guy's playing so well. I mean, you see it. You're up there. You, the, the decisions he's making with the football, the throws he's making with the football. Amazing. I mean, he's got great blocking. He's got Ty Girl. He's got one of the best receiving cores, if not the best receiving core in the league right now. But the plays he's making, I mean, why slap him with system quarterback label? Why not say Jared Goff is balling? Why not call it the way it is? I don't remember guys saying this about Kurt Warner. Really? No, I I never I do not remember a single guy saying it's a system quarterback. And he came from the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. And he was in a great system. Right, but he he became a guy that was an MVP candidate. You know what I mean? Yeah. By by calling Jared Goff a system quarterback, you're 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 taken away from him. You're taken away from what he's doing. I don't think that's fair. Speaking of, do you know who the last Rams quarterback to throw for 940 yards passing through three weeks was? I'm going to guess Kurt Warner. 2001 with 957. That's wow. exactly right. What impresses me, uh, we saw it again in Week Three, is for a team that is undefeated, they've seen their fair share of adversity, be it on the injury front, uh, be it going down early on the road against John Gruden in the black hole and everything that that matchup meant. Um, I'm impressed by the fact that the Rams have scored more points off their turnovers than the opponents have scored off their turnovers. <laughs> right? Three turnovers, yeah, yeah. a girly fumble that led to a punt, a golf interception that led to a punt, and a golf interception that led to a blocked punt for a touchdown. Crazy. So the Rams are outscoring their opponents 7 nothing on their own turnovers. You know, we, we had this discussion when we were talking. This is right after camp, right before preseason start, right before they went to camp. Uh, best team on paper. They won the offseason, all that stuff. And I said on paper, I'm not sure which unit's going to be the best. I should have included special teams, too. Uh, you know, when you think of Hecker, when you when Zerline is healthy, the guy can hit from just about anywhere. But Bones Fossil and, and his ability to draw up stuff that guys like Corey Littleton can feast off and make plays on to get to the punter and just make plays like that. Um, when you're functioning like that on all three phases, it makes you one of the elite teams, whether people want to admit it or not. Oh, let's talk a little bit about the offensive line because yeah. I feel like they're the group that hasn't gotten enough praise. And when you talk about how good Goff has been, I have to 
dole out some credit to the five in front who have been superb, and he's come out of every game with a clean jersey, it feels like. No doubt. And that young right side is, um, you know, they're, they've kind of evened the score. Last year was kind of Roger and, you know, and, and, and Witt kind of carrying things, I guess, being the, the, the superhuman guys, the, the screens to that side. But the right side guys, with the addition of, of Austin Blythe in there, and Havenstein's got nothing but better. Uh, and, and not just in base blocking or how they're pass protecting, what they're being asked to do on every single drive, speed up tempo, get in the phone booth, okay, spread it out, now pass protect against their best pass protector and don't give an inch. All this stuff that they're doing to allow us to go wow and ooh and ah and score on game day mm. is some of the, the, the toughest stuff you're going to see in football. And they're doing it drive in and drive out. It, it's amazing. Les Snead told us this week, transitioning to the receiving core now, uh, that not only would he not trade that trio for any other in the league, and there are some great ones out there, but what makes them special is the way they prepare. They're franchise quarterbacks individually playing receiver next to a franchise quarterback. Yeah, it's it's really cool. If I was a kid right now in Los Angeles watching the Rams play, I don't know, who do you pick? You know, I, 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 I'm, I'll be Brandon Cooks. I'll be Robert Woods. I'll be Cooper Cup. It doesn't matter. Depends I mean, on what week, right? I mean, they're all seeing, you know, passes. They're all seeing looks, and they're all making plays. Robert Woods had one of the the toughest receiver games I've ever seen. Every catch, he took a pop mm. and got up and kept making plays over and over again. Can you remember any kind of clean catch and run that he had on Sunday? I mean, they all had more than 40 yards, I think, in yards after yeah. the catch, but Roberts were hard-earned. I mean, he carried a defender into the end zone to get that second touchdown. And, yeah. and Cooks continues to be just a marvel. I mean, being able to run those routes that clean, either drawing penalties, making the catch, but you can't even hit the guy. He hits the deck before you get there. I mean, that's that's frustrating. You know what's scary? He hasn't scored a touchdown yet. <laughs> You'd never know about how he's playing, right? Yeah. It's going to get in there. And who I overlooked until I went back and watched the film, Tyler Higby had one of his best games as a Ram. How about that catch on the sideline? He high-pointed that. I mean, that that's probably his best catch as a Ram. It has to be, right? And I like where Jared Goff put it. Again, I mean, he's been doing that all year. Saw man coverage. He put it b- behind the defender. Higby had his eyes on it. He can make a play on it. And toe-tap, you're down the field. I mean, that's, that's trust in your guys, and that's just uh, the confidence is through the roof that – when they see man coverage, they expect the football. And nine times out of ten, there it is. And Dominican Sue finally got his first sack. Aaron Donald still does not have one. Another sign of maybe the best is yet to come as far as that's concerned. Um, but has a defensive lineman ever impacted a game without a sack as much as Aaron Donald has through three weeks for the unbeaten Rams? I, I, you know, maybe some of the Hall of Famers. I mean, everybody goes through this where they're just getting the ball out. I mean, every quarterback, even Phillip Rivers, I mean, a lesser guy would have folded under the pressure he was under. His first pass attempt, when he dropped back to pass, I think he dropped to seven, Aaron Donald hit him in the knee. That's the first one, the first one of the game, and there's Aaron Donald. And he became a suit for the rest of the game. So even though the numbers aren't falling for you, and it is frustrating when you're beating guys left and right, you just can't get the sack, but it it doesn't matter. When you watch tape as an offense and you see that, it's in your head. It's going to affect your game planning. It has to. I think there's another opportunity this week, not just because uh, it's Kirk Cousins and he's willing to hold on to the football to take those deep shots because he has the talent and he has the receiving core to do it, but because they're throwing the football more than any team in the National Football League. Now, granted, they've played an overtime game, but Kirk Cousins leads the NFL in passing attempts. They've been behind. They played in overtime, yes, but they also do not have a running game that's gotten on track yet. So it'll be interesting to see if they can establish that Thursday night or if they get into Phillip Rivers' shotgun, catch-up, 
one-dimensional mode because Donald and company may have a chance to tee off. I, I, I wonder. I wonder how Coach Zimmer is going to approach this on offense and what he's going to allow his offense to do. I mean, this will be the best defense the Rams have seen, and this will be a great test to see which defense is actually better. Uh, and I think both defenses will have their moments, but I, I think the Rams' defense will have more success based on how they played, especially how they played against Buffalo. So, uh, and, and how the Rams played against Phillip Rivers. I think they'll be able to get the same sort of pressure on Kirk, uh, on Cousins. I wonder what he does uh, versus that sort of pressure. Because Rivers, like you said, that guy was just so calm in the pocket. I don't know if he knows how close he was to getting his head taken off a few times. I mean, you didn't have that long to throw the football, so I wonder how Cousins will react to that same sort of pressure. All right, so to come, we'll go around the division on this edition of Rams All Access. There's a future Hall of Famer calling his own shots in Seattle. Jimmy Garoppolo done for the season in San Francisco and a new rookie starter at quarterback in Arizona. Uh, That's still ahead. But next, Roger Saffold is our guest. We'll talk to the Rams left guard as Rams All Access Week 4 edition continues on ESPN LA 710. Great to have Rams left guard Roger Saffold with us on this week's edition of Rams All Access as we prepare for the Minnesota Vikings in Week 4. Uh, Roger, congratulations on 3-0. and Unfortunately, the downside of the short week, you probably don't have enough time to enjoy that great start, do you? <laughs> no, uh, you know, you usually have a 24-hour rule uh, to enjoy it and get get to the next opponent. But uh, with this, it seemed like as soon as the game was over, we were already getting prepared for the Vikings. You and I were just talking about the recovery process. We know what a great job your medical staff does, but right there on site at the Coliseum following the win over the Chargers, you guys were already preparing for Thursday night physically. Uh, absolutely. You know, um, I think that we have a great bit of communication between our head coach, our training staff, as well as our strength staff, and together they've they've put together um, almost near-perfect program for us to get back ready to go and fill in 100%. In terms of your confidence, your faith, your belief in this coaching staff led by Sean McVay, is there anyone better in the NFL on a short week in terms of preparation? Uh, well, of course, you know that I've been with the Rams my entire time here, so uh, uh, I, I really don't have anything else to base off of. But actually, you know, right now I, I really uh, can't see anything better. Um, just the way that they've advanced, advanced even from last year, uh, it's been a dramatic improvement, and uh, just the communication around the entire team has been outstanding. Let's go back to last year and your game against the Vikings. It was my perception that you guys hoped to go back to Minneapolis at least once, if not twice, after suffering that loss and maybe get a chance at revenge or redemption or whatever you want to call it. Does it feel like that's the opportunity in front of you this year, or is that uh, loss pretty far from this team's mind? Uh, well, as you know, we, we had so many um, adjustments and improvements to the team, uh, you know, uh, a lot of different people on defense that were brought in. Uh, so you, this is pretty much a different team than what we had in Minnesota. Uh, but I know it still lasts in the back of my mind. You know, they, they really tested us as far as communication is concerned with being in a, a deafening environment. Mm-hmm. I think that the team grew a lot from that day, and I think that's why we did so well against Seattle. Their defensive personnel looks very similar and still very impressive in 2018, doesn't it, Roger? Uh, absolutely. You know, they got guys all over the field. Um, you know, even though we know they suffered a loss from the Bills, uh, there was a lot of things that put uh, the defense in a bad situation. Um, and we know that this this time they'll be ready for us. Um, you know, the biggest thing that I think that we're concerned about is being able to manage and, and you know, try to, try to create as, as the least amount of mistakes as humanly possible. 
Roger Saffold is with us as we continue Rams All Access. You mentioned that result against the Buffalo Bills, arguably the most surprising of any game in the National Football League. It happened while you were preparing for your game against the Chargers, but did that result circulate through the locker room and get people's attention? Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, just, just playing, you know, on the, on the West Coast, you always get to check out, you know, at least the first half of a bunch of those games. And of course, we were watching. But at the end of the day, we know what, what what that type of team is. We know that they're well coached, and we know that they'll be ready to play us on Thursday. Uh, we have to be able to to match or exceed that intensity so that we can be able to put more points on the board than we did last time that we played against the Vikings. Looking at your position group through three weeks, how do you evaluate the offensive line of the Rams? Uh, right now, I think that we're still trying to get things together. I think that we've done a great job so far, but, you know, um, uh, anybody that knows me is I'm super critical of myself as well as my teammates. So I think that there's room for improvement. And I think that this is going to be the week where we have to really put everything together and probably have one of our best games. Uh, speaking of those teammates, let's touch on a few. Uh, Austin Blythe has done really well mm-hmm. to uh, fill in for Jamon Brown initially and then play so well that he gets to start in week three and presumably again in week four. What have you seen from Austin, albeit he plays on the opposite side of scrimmage for you? Uh, I think that he's constantly learning. I mean, this is his first real chance to really be able to go out there and play a complete game. Uh, he's not sparing anybody in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, he's not coming in just for in- inju- uh, injury, uh, and he's – He's pretty much playing the entire time. So I think that he's growing from that. He's learning um, a lot. You know, he already uh, plays center, so I think he has a great grasp of the offense already. Um, but, you know, playing next to, to John Sullivan really helps him. Um, the communication he's realizing is just super important. And I think the more that he does that, the more that he'll succeed. And, uh, you know, I think that Coach McVay sees that, and he doesn't want to mess up a good thing. Um, so right now, because he's playing so well, you know, he wants to keep that camaraderie the same. Speaking of camaraderie, I had to laugh today when uh, Andrew Whitworth, it was reported, went in for surgery last night on Sunday, and his Twitter game is so strong that uh, he's able to refute that with a picture of himself getting a massage. Were you impressed with how quickly <laughs> maybe the uh, the future media star, Andrew Whitworth, uh, shot down that report? Uh, I was shocked because I thought that he would let people think about it a little bit more just so that Griffin didn't you know, would think that he was going to get somebody else. But, you know, uh, that's just me constantly thinking about the season. But, you know, it's a surprise to everybody. I know his phone was blowing up like crazy. So it's better to nip those types of things in the butt. Sure. And then another uh, former Rams great along the offensive line, Orlando Pace, uh, called you out on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, they were doing the bob and weave. Woods and Cup were in the end zone after a touchdown against the Chargers, and he didn't think that your uh, participation was adequate, I guess. Uh, yeah, you know, see, the thing about, about Big O is, is you know, he, he, he sees what happens on, on tape. You know, he watches the film. He watches us. I'm wearing his number, so obviously I'm like a magnet for his eyes. <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, my one of my nicknames is called the Dancing Bear. So, uh People know that I can groove when I when it comes time to. But right there, it was too hot. I'm too tired. I just ran over to celebrate with you guys. You guys are bouncing around. I don't know what's going on. So I just did what I could, which was just a little shimmy. <laughs> Roger, thank you for your time. And uh, here's to many more opportunities to dance in the end zone this week against Minnesota and beyond. Oh, man, I, I'm going to try to do something special this week. <laughs> Roger Saffold, our guest on Rams All Access, will continue on ESPN LA 710 after this. Back on Rams All Access, and our thanks to Roger Saffold for joining us in that second segment. Among the things we touched on, the trip to Minneapolis last year. What an environment that was at U.S. Bank Stadium. I think we had all hoped to go back at some point, either for a playoff game or for the ultimate game, the Super Bowl. That opportunity was not uh, afforded the Rams, unfortunately. But they see the Vikings again in Week 4 on a short week. Uh, Minnesota desperate. I mean, they need a win 
They're looking up at the Bears in their division. They know they go to Philadelphia after Los Angeles. This is a really tough stretch of their schedule, and they just got embarrassed on their home field. Yeah, so, I mean, you know practice is going to be a beast for them, assuming that that head coach is still that same intense guy. So they're going to rally the troops. They're going to fix what's wrong in a a hurry. And when you put on tape of of the Rams and what they just did to the L.A. Chargers, I mean, that's going to get your attention too. So uh, it's going to be easier to coach the Minnesota Vikings this week coming off a loss like that. So, I mean, and the Rams have to regroup. They lost some guys on game day. That's just the way it is. Um, You still have good players behind them, but you know when you're facing teams like Minnesota, they're going to exploit your weaknesses. Uh, they're going to give you things they that you haven't seen and make you adjust on game day. Uh, so you you can't let the game get away. Remember, you did turn the ball over against the Chargers. You turned it over a couple of times. Uh, those things cannot happen against good teams like Minnesota. Oh, like Cooper Cup turned it over at the goal line mm-hmm. before the half in Minneapolis last year, among the contributing factors to that loss. So not only are the Vikings the only team to hold Sean McVay to single-digit scoring, with their defense. Uh, Kirk Cousins was another uh, party that got a victory against last year's Rams while he was a member of Washington. You know, he and McVeigh have uh, paid equal compliments to each other in terms of being responsible for them ascending to this point in their careers. Uh, what do you think of, let's start with Kirk Cousins in the offense, uh, especially that trio of receivers, Dalvin Cook at tailback, and the threat they present to a shorthanded Rams defense? My eyes, it looks like they're still trying to find it, like they're still trying to gel, they're still trying to get there. Um, when you're reading body language, uh, just for instance, Kirk Cousins, his uh, Cousins' first pass to Diggs was high and he didn't have a shot at it. And the way Diggs looked back at him kind of stared him down. Well, that's that's your first pass attempt. You know, you might want to give your quarterback a break, but still, that's the game where they turned it over twice within the first six plays. It seems like they're still trying to figure things out or they feel snake-bitten. But at some point, they're going to start to believe, and they're going to start to put plays together. They're going to start to build confidence. And I like Cousins, man. Uh, He's like Goff, in my opinion. He puts it where you need it, and he doesn't turn it over often. So that really bodes well for a defensive team like Minnesota. From what we've heard so far from the Rams camp, it doesn't sound like they're going to rule Marcus Peters out until they absolutely have to. So we'll give him a chance to play Thursday night, but let's assume that both he and Aqib Tlaib aren't on the field Thursday night for the sake of this argument. We saw the Rams shorthanded in the secondary against the Vikings receiving core last year, and it did not look good. But do you feel like with a week of preparation, knowing that you might be going in with the likes of uh, Nikhil, Roby Coleman, Sam Shields, Troy Hill combining in some fashion. Does that give them a better chance to succeed being part of a game plan even on a short week? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, you have a week to prepare and you have a week to get into Minnesota and those receivers and get beyond the X's and O's of what Wade Phillips and your coaching staff is asking you to do. Get beyond that and actually get into your opponent so you can just study him and read those tells, just like Tlaib does and Peters does when they just start watching people. Uh, because when it's just man coverage, it's you and that guy. It's you playing football. So how much do you know about him? But the same thing's going to happen in Minnesota. And I bet they think they can make plays against this secondary, especially now. Uh, but it's going to be a race, in my opinion. Can Cousins get the ball to his advantages, so to speak, before the Rams' advantage gets to him? That's going to be the game plan. And that's how to mitigate that and how to split that up to the Rams' favor is up to Wade Phillips. I would bet you're going to see a whole lot more pressure. That's what I was going to ask yeah. next, because to this point, they've played coverage. I mean, they've they've blitzed much less than Wade Phillips traditionally does. He's leaned on his coverage advantage. 
Do they try and heat up Cousins? Do they send extras knowing that they don't have a couple of all pros back there? Well, you 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 brought up a stat, and it's it's funny when you talk about Thielen. What was that number that you said? Uh, he had the fewest yardage, uh, fewest yards in NFL history for a player with at least 14 catches in a game. See, I see that. The, giving him the ball is great for them, uh, but you only get one move. You don't get double moves, which is what he's great at. Those double little quick moves that gets open, now he's down the field to where you can't catch him. But now with him, with so much pressure that I think Wade Phillips and just this front four is going to bring on them, you only get one move. Quick out, catch the ball, and let's see if you can turn and run and get through somebody. That would be the game plan going against them this week. All right, let's flip sides of the football. If you remember last year, McVay and Gurley went right down the field. They scored the early touchdown. It was the best possible scenario because that crowd at least turn the volume down momentarily now they came roaring back but you wanted to grab the early lead and they did but nothing from that point forward Uh, does this defense for minnesota look the same way it did back then linval joseph is still there i mean he is a mile wide uh you you know the characters I, i like their safeties let me take that back i love their safeties including sandejo who 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 gets a little beyond he blurs the lines between aggressive and dirty uh, he just got fined what fifty two thousand bucks. Um, he won't turn down hits. You know, if you're coming across the middle, he will send you that message. So, I, I love the scheme they're in. It's very simplistic. It relies on their players uh, to get in and out. Um, you know, he's not going to overload you with a lot of stuff. So, man for man, I think they're one of the best. Now, if you keep them out there long enough, they'll fade just like any other defense out it, it, that's ever been built. But if you get in their wheelhouse to where you have to throw to keep up or throw to stay in it and they can just tee off on you, they're going to get to you just like this Rams defense will. That being said, the performance that they put together against McVay and Goff and company last year looks all the more impressive in hindsight given the fact that this group has gone north of 30 in three straight contests to open 2018. It feels like you take the field against the Rams knowing you got to get to 30 or you don't have a chance. Yeah, you got to keep up. Um, it's going to happen. I mean, Sean McVay, and he's calling a great game, and whoever you want to give the credit to, if you want to just say it's a system, then so be it. But they're running this system almost to perfection. I mean, the plays that hit are Wow. Uh, the one that scored was off schedule. I mean, that's something they you pointed Cooper Cup and say, wow, what a play. But that's how some other teams in the league are living. That's how they have to score points. But uh, the Rams are just executing on a high level. But, you know, against anybody's defense on any given Sunday, if you're not taking care of the football, if you're making mistakes and putting yourself behind chains and not giving yourself a chance to win, anybody's defense can rise up. Look at Buffalo's D. Yeah, I mean, it feels like the intangible should be in the Rams' favor. Even with the injury situation, you're wearing the throwbacks under the lights, at home, short week. Minnesota has to travel two time zones. I mean, the Rams have a chance to go 4-0 and with a long weekend leading into Seattle, and the division around them is not strong to this point in September. I mean, stars are aligning if the Rams can get to 4-0. and Well, I mean... Uh, Outside of the division, what you just said, I think that's their mentality, and that's what I picked up on right after the game. They said recovery for Thursday starts now, and they're just walking off the field on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a two-game setup for the Rams, and they, they already have a plan. I, I think some teams go into it with one game in mind. You finish that, then you start the next one. I think they started their prep for Minnesota already in some respects without giving any disrespect to the Chargers. I think they're they're used to this short week stuff. 
they can look at it that way, yeah. but I refuse to look at it that way. Because <laughs> if they were to beat the Vikings, yeah. I'm telling you, we're going to be going to Seattle talking about this is a chance to land a knockout blow. And this opportunity Thursday is the kind that sets you up for first-round buys, home field advantage throughout the playoffs. I mean, whether or not Minnesota is there, these are the stakes that the Rams are playing for late in September. This this is like the games that Roger Federer it would always win. Right, right, right. He always wins. That's why he's always a champion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I hope you'll join us for it Thursday night at the Coliseum. If not, listen right here on ESPN LA 710. It's four down territory. Next, we'll get all the latest from the Vikings after that humbling loss to Buffalo. You're listening to ESPN LA 710. We continue with this week's edition of Rams All Access, and it's time for four down territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. And this week, our guest is Courtney Cronin, who covers the Vikings for ESPN's NFL Nation. Good evening, Courtney. Thank you for being here with us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right, so real open-ended first question. What was that on Sunday at home against <laughs> yeah, Buffalo? million-dollar question right there. I think the, I guess the silver lining is if you're you know, offense, defense, special teams, it was really the whole gamut. There's not just one area you can point a finger at, which is either a silver lining or a sign of really bad things. But, I mean, this is, this is a good timing if this is going to happen all the time that happened in week three versus, you know, week 16 or when the, you know, if the Vikings were going to have to back their way into the playoffs with a loss, I think you'd much rather take the loss uh, now and kind of use it as a wake-up call to get back on track and to figure out, you know, what are some of the areas that were exposed and what are some of the ways to remedy those. Um, We saw Kirk Cousins not look very good. Well, and then, you know, defensively, there's a ton of miscommunication going on right now in the secondary. Players have admitted that special teams have just been, um, you know, a lot of up and down play. I mean, they got rid of their kicker right after the Green Bay game. Uh, so they certainly are not shy in making moves to try to make a championship roster, but, you know, definitely a game that they are never going to want to watch ever again. So I think it's probably a blessing that they have the Rams in week four because they had about, you know, 12 hours to really digest that tape and move forward. You know, just looking at the numbers so far, Kirk Cousins leads the NFL in passing attempts after three weeks, and Courtney, I understand that's due in part to the fact that the Vikings have played an overtime game already. Uh, But with not much of a running game to speak of yet, is that reflective of who the Vikings want to be offensively in 2018? Not necessarily. I think that, you know, he's thrown for, what, like 103 attempts? I mean, that's not sustainable, uh, by any stretch, but they've been playing from behind the last two games. I mean, he had to string together that fourth quarter and overtime comeback in Green Bay, and then yesterday from you know the first snap they were behind. Um, they have said all off season long that they, their offense will be carried as far as their run game will take it, and I still think that they believe that, and that's what they want their identity to be. Uh, certainly, something to keep an eye on if Dalvin Cook is going to play this week, but. You know, they, they did not look good the first three weeks uh, in establishing the run. I think part of that is, you know, Cook shaking off some rust. He looks pretty good in week one. But then, you know, it's also the personnel they're facing. I mean, both teams, you know, Green Bay, I mean, they were playing behind in Green Bay, and then the week before, San Francisco sits eight in the box regularly. So, I mean, I think that that's a product of that, too. And, you know, the offensive line is, is really shaky in run blocking right now. So that's going to be something that they're going to want to remedy really quick because, um, you know, the short week with the Rams, and then they go on to Philadelphia in week five. 
Uh, Courtney Cronin is our guest. She covers the Vikings for ESPN's NFL Nation. Question number three on four down territory. Uh, which injury do you think we should be monitoring the closest in this short week in terms of player availability for Thursday night and the impact it could have on the outcome against the Rams? Well, Dalvin Cook didn't play against the Bills, and from what I'm told, that was more of a precautionary reason because his hamstring injury that he's been nursing since the Green Bay game is in the same leg that he tore his ACL last year. So they thought they could beat the, uh, the Bills without him. Um, turns out that wasn't the case, but they, you know, who, who knows uh, how much Dalvin contributed to them. I mean, they certainly needed a spark that they didn't have. Um, it's important that he comes back this week, I think, this offense is kind of lacking life right now, um, and it would be a really good statement to to have to have an explosive performance against you know one of the top front sevens in the NFL. I mean, if they're able to to get something going against Sue and Donald. I think that that puts them in a good position, confidence wise, to know that you know their run game still is efficient. They can still be explosive um, and get around some of you know the top defensive lines and get it going. All right, last question, Corny. We're going to put you on the spot here a little bit. Yes or no, if you can. The Rams play the whole NFC North this season, so we're curious from where you stand, are the Vikings still the favorite in the division? I've always said that the Packers were the favorite in the division, and I do that because I think that from a game perspective, from a schedule perspective, theirs is a little bit easier. It's not entirely, and certainly – you know they've they lost they lost in week three and you know they lost Muhammad Wilkerson to the ankle injury so their road you know doesn't get any easier in, in that sense but I still think the Vikings have a lot of kinks to work out they're not playing great ball right now um, in the first three weeks everything's kind of been up and down I still think that in the NFC North the Packers are the favorite in terms of the entire division I put the Vikings up there with you know the Rams the Packers the Eagles. Um, we saw what happened last year with the Saints when they started 0-2, and, um, and they were able to get to the divisional playoffs. So, I mean, I think that there is definitely still time for this Vikings team to turn it around, but their schedule doesn't do them any favors. It's going to be pretty difficult as they come out of this stretch at 1-3-1 and after games at the Rams and at the Eagles. Uh, so they're hoping to steal at least one of those uh, on the road in the next two weeks. Courtney, thanks so much for some of your time on this short week. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. And we continue here. This edition of Rams All Access to Marco Farr and J.B. Long. And uh, the conversation with Courtney reminded me of the advantages that are playing in the Rams' favor this Thursday night. You know, they only won three games at the Coliseum last year. They have a chance to win three games on this homestand <laughs> in the month of September in 2018. It's funny how things write themselves in a hurry, right? It's crazy. Uh, one minute you think you're this and the next you're that. Uh, you know, when she was talking about the NFC North, um, where do you put Detroit? How do you count them out? I know where I would put them before I saw last night's uh, yeah. Sunday Night Football contest against the Patriots. Now I don't know what to think. I don't know what to that think either. That was the second most re- surprising result after Buffalo winning yeah. in Minneapolis. I just wonder at some point, I mean, I, I hope it's not soon, like not in December, but I wonder if someday Matt Stafford gets it right there. Does he turn it around in Detroit? Or... Well, they finally had a 100-yard rusher. Right. So it's not all <laughs> right. Matthew Stafford. You, you never know. You never know. But, yeah, I mean, that's – Always competitive up there. But, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think the Rams have earned the right to be out in front. Um, it, it, you'd be hard-pressed to find a, a better football team for the first three weeks. One more thought on the Vikings before we turn our attention to the rest of the NFC West in our final segment. 
Are the players up there secretly glad that it's a short week for two reasons? One, they don't have to dwell on that film, which I'm sure was atrocious. And two, they get an early chance to get the taste out of their mouths. Are you the Vikings? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. If you're a, if you're a player in the Vikings like locker room, are you saying, well, if we have to go across country on a short week, at least we're doing it with the fuel of a blowout defeat behind us. That's the thing. Getting ready for a short week. I'm sure. Well, I, I'm not sure of this, but I would say their their today was more intense than the Rams. It's just human nature. You lost. The Rams did not. So. Your Monday felt a whole lot different in Minnesota than it did here. That being said, I mean, we kind of had this feeling going into the Chargers contest as well and came away. I left thinking, you know what, this Rams team really is playing itself. I don't think there's a risk for a letdown moment for this Rams roster because they're playing for something bigger and they're playing for a standard as opposed to playing matchup to matchup. Yeah, I mean, look, you're going in and you're you're kind of banged up. I mean, when you think about who's injured and how many guys are hurt, if you count Zerline, if you, if you uh, Farrow Cooper. Cooper is out, and now your your corners are out, so you're you're kind of banged up there. But I, I don't think anybody here is blinking. You know, I, in this room, you still have the utmost confidence in this football team. So, uh, just like every team that has to play on Thursday, you're going to have to rally. You're going to have to get ready to go in a short week, but. Minnesota is also going through the same short week, except they're coming off an L. Well, not going to get any sympathy on the injury front from around the division, specifically from San Francisco, where they will go without Jimmy Garoppolo for the rest of the year. We'll talk about that change in San Francisco, plus a quarterback stepping in as a rookie in Arizona as well. Around the division with DeMarco Farr next on this edition of Rams All Access. You're listening to ESPN LA 710. Final segment of Rams All Access with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, Thursday night at the Coliseum, where your throwbacks... They're going to be wearing the royal and yellow for the rest of 2018, maybe even in the playoffs. It's going to look great nice. at home at the Coliseum. Uh, first up, the Minnesota Vikings. The Rams are 3-0. San Francisco is 1-2, as are the Seattle Seahawks. Arizona trailing at 0-3. They're going to go with Josh Rosen. We'll double back to that in just a moment. Uh, but I want to start with Earl Thomas calling his own shots in Seattle. It sounds like he's going to practice when he wants to practice. And if he has so much as a headache, put me on the injury report. Wow. I'll well, see you on Sunday. How, how quickly it goes south. Is that sustainable? As well as he's playing, is that sustainable? Yes. I mean, what's he going to do? Not play well? You know? I mean, if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. Um, but I, it, you'd have to really be hurt to miss a game if you're Earl Thomas, the way you've been behaving right now. So I, I think the curtain has been lifted. We, we, we know what's going on there. But if he steps on the field, he has to be Earl Thomas. Uh, it's not that you're letting the Seattle Seahawks down if you play less than what you're capable of playing. You're letting your your own self down. You're you're dropping your own stock. So, yeah, you can live through this. I mean, he, he you've played well enough or long enough with him, and you guys have won together. That I mean, eventually this will circle back around to a friendship. But if if it did turn sour, you can deal with that for just the remainder of a year. Seattle supposedly asking for a lot of compensation to consider any trade involving him. But at this stage of the season, I don't think they can afford to make that move unless an offer absolutely knocks their socks off. I mean, if they go and get a win at Arizona with Josh Rosen, a rookie starting at quarterback, they're right back in this thing hosting the Rams next week. And it possibly could happen. What did you say about it doesn't start until you play at home in Seattle or something well, like that? I mean, yeah. look, Seattle's had a really difficult schedule at this point in the yeah. season. And to think that they're not going to be the Legion of Boom, fine, whatever. But to think that they're not going to contend for the division when they still have one of, if not the best, home field advantages and they still have one of, if not the best, quarterbacks, 
look, the season doesn't start until they play a home game. And they did, and they played well, and they smoked Dallas. And it, it makes perfect sense to me. I give them almost the same benefit of the doubt as I give the Patriots. I don't care what the Patriots are doing. They're not they're not dead until they're dead. Right. If Miami takes out the Patriots this week, we'll right. talk. <laughs> right. Until that happens. Yes, they're still them, and Seattle's okay. still Seattle. Um, updating the standings before we go any deeper into the storylines. Uh, I hit all three picks last week for the first time nice. in the division. I've got seven. You've got five. Uh, you only lost on Dallas, which I think was a fair pick. I was a coin Thank you, Zeke Elliott. Um, <laughs> this week's games, uh, go Chargers the rest of the way now, right? Of now course. Now that the Rams have defeated them, they host San Francisco, uh, presumably with C.J. Beathard at quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, Done for the year, DeMarco. Wow, I, I saw the play, and I agree with uh, Justin Houston. I just take that right on out of bounds if you're the quarterback, if you're Garoppolo. I get it. I love it. I love the competitive spirit, but your body is more important. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to us. So take your butt on out of bounds. But uh, too bad for them, but that's the way it goes uh, in the NFL. So, I mean, look, we won the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. It can happen, and... You know, San Francisco, I, I thought they were the second-best team in the division or third-best, depending on what Seattle gave you. So uh, just because they lost one guy, I wouldn't write them off completely just yet. But it's not just one guy. I mean, they're also down I mean, to starting tailback right. now, and the, their schedule's front-loaded. I yeah. mean, if they had stayed healthy, I think they were in great position to make a second-half run this year like they did last year, but now without Garoppolo, without McKinnon. They still have to come down to Carson. They still have to go to Green Bay. Right. And that's before the Rams arrive for the first of two meetings. Well, remember, we were talking about quarterbacks with less need. And it's hard to evaluate backups because in the preseason because they're out there with backups mm-hmm. for the most part. So, I mean, who knows? C.J. Beathard could turn into something right before your eyes. And the offense goes to a whole new level. Remember the effect that Garoppolo had on that offense when he took over the job? Changed the entire franchise. Who's to say it couldn't happen again? And he's going to have time to work on it. You're the guy you get to prepare for Sunday. Since when do you talk up the 49ers like this? I'm just, it looks. This is your chance to kick them while they're down. It's and early. You're not taking it. No, never. All never, right, never. So are you picking the 49ers in Carson this No. Week? Okay. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. So all that for nothing. We're both going with the Chargers. Right. Uh, Seattle at Arizona is the other division game this week. Uh, no lose situation, I guess. But uh, what do you make of Josh Rosen getting the call? Sam Bradford's done after three weeks. It's about time. Uh, I thought they could have done it here. At the end of uh, at the end of the game, when it was just mop up duty, when you had Sam Bradford out there to run screens and draws, when you're just trying to save face, well, that's something Rosen should be doing. So maybe he's not ready, or who knows? But yeah, it's it's about time. If if it's going to be the Rosen era, why not now? Because it's not going anywhere with the other guy. I think we know that. But you do run the risk with a team that's zero and three, and the offensive line has been porous, and not much has been going right of doing some kind of damage to his confidence, psyche, whatever, or his body if you put him in the game right now. True. I mean, look at what Jared Goff went through and then see how he came through it and look at him now. So if you can survive it, it's only going to make you better. I wonder if phones are ringing in Arizona about Bradford. Given what they're paying him, if there's another team out there, San Francisco even, desperate enough for a quarterback that <laughs> yeah. they will give Sam Bradford one more chance, trusting that they can put him in a better situation than he had in Arizona. You said the phones are ringing in Arizona? If any, I if, wouldn't even wait that if, long. If anyone's inquiring, yeah. if anyone's saying, hey, if you're going Rosen, we've got the cap space for Bradford. 
I think I'd be initiating that conversation if I could. Yeah. I'd be leaving voicemails. They're dialing long distance. Yes. <laughs> I, I see where you're going with that. Who's your pick, Seattle or Arizona? I'll take Seattle. All right, I will as well. I think uh, Seattle's got a chance to get back to 2-2 two and two and then host the Rams for a big contest up there in Week 5. So Thursday night, the next contest, a chance to win a third consecutive home game to wrap up this home stand. Our coverage begins three hours before kickoff against the Minnesota Vikings. DeMarco Farr, Maurice Jones, Drew, and I will have the coverage. Get there early, beat the traffic, bring your throwback colors. We look forward to seeing you in person or talking to you on the air. This has been Rams All Access, ESPN LA 710.